Now on Documentary News Talk, producer Michael Cullen looks at the quizzing scene in Ireland and talks to some of its most successful participants, including two winners of Mastermind and a winner of The Million on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in Know It All. Ireland has never won the Football World Cup. An Irish professional has never won Wimbledon. But there is one activity in which Irish people excel. Millionaire involved four fastest finger attempts before I got through. So by the time I reached the black chair, my nerves were already shredded. Whatever rung of the ladder you're on, you have to do a certain amount of work to get up to the next rung. I also had the luxury on Mastermind. For most of my rounds, I was sitting in seat four. The big quizzes I'd have in the year, I would take maybe two weeks off work beforehand. You know, I would study for those, like someone would for the leave insert. In this documentary, we'll meet Ireland's top quizzers and go behind the scenes at the most important events in the annual calendar. We'll discover why Ireland is among the best countries in the world at quizzing and learn what quizzing can do for you. Along the way, there'll be questions to try out yourself and tips for remembering things. And we'll finish at this year's World Quizzing Championships. read a newspaper every day very carefully and I, I mark all the interesting things and record them onto a into a computer this is pat gibson from galway he won the million on who wants to be a millionaire and also won brain of britain and mastermind champion of champions he is now based in the uk and appears on the show eggheads if you google best quizzer in the world pat's name is the first that comes up I think a general attribute for quizzers that is probably useful in general life is curiosity. And I am interested in most things, um, and I notice things that catch my eye. Of course, after years and years of doing quizzing, you start to think, you start to notice things which would be you know, good material for a quiz setter. Occasionally, I resort to clinical techniques like acronyms and mnemonics and all that sort of business, but I'm not specially organised I think I think there are people who are probably far more on top of that than I am. Everyone asks for the tip that's going to make them world champion. In Irish quizzing, Mark Henry is the person to beat. For five of the last eight years, he has been the number one ranked player. I suppose I would have done the same myself when I was sort of at that 2016 stage. It's just based repetition. And I'd look at different things. I'd always be looking at, you know, different different guys on YouTube and seeing looking for tips on how to learn and different note-taking things and you know but i've got i've i've gone back to pen and paper i like pen and paper i know where i stand with it some quizzers like doing homework some people study some people use flashcards some people read a lot some people go through the newspaper with a a red pen they highlight things they want to uh, remember i don't really do any of that dan o'malley runs the dublin quiz league for the irish quiz organization I learn by playing, so I like to play quizzes. If you can't play a quiz, the next best thing is setting a quiz. You know, you're writing a quiz set of normally 64 questions and you realise, okay, certain portion of that has got to be entertainment, you know, music and film, which would be my wheelhouse, and that's a bit of fun, uh, thinking of fun things to ask about. And then some of it's going to have to be stuff that I'm weaker on, like art and culture or history. So for me, it's like, okay, what can I ask about? What, What would be an interesting set of questions? Then I have to go off and figure out what piece of information can I pull together uh, to make an interesting question? And that helps me learn it. And I find that a more 
enjoyable thing to do than list learning so i think having to organize quizzes probably does make me a better quizzer i would really love just though just a wave magic wand clone myself and then just not have to do that so i could just play all the quizzes so we've the dublin quiz league which was set up by dan o'malley i guess 2015 uh, so we had a team sort of a scratch team in that initially patrick carthy placed first for an irish player in last year's world quizzing championships the day after this year's event he will appear on television in the final of Ireland's Smartest. So it was uh, four of us met up, uh, hadn't, didn't really know each other, but we became friends like, and we did a good few table quizzes so people moved away. And yeah, so we won. It took us a long time. We were second three or four seasons, I think, before we finally won it uh, 2021. And then like, we sort of joined up with another team this year just due to losing a couple of players, but we won again this season so in that. And then there's an online quiz league which started during COVID that we have a team in as well. I'd say Eva and Patrick, they'd be the hardest working quizzers, you know, in Ireland. This is Mark Henry again. The most determined, you know, the ones that you would say they'd, they'd be aiming to be world champion, you know, one day. You know, they have age on their side. They're younger, you know, their Eva would be 20 years younger than I'd be. And that keeps me on my toes too, you know, knowing that there's these young quizzers coming up and same you know you'd be you'd be looking at you know you'd be looking at the not the irish rankings but you used to always be looking at how different people are are doing on the rankings say the world championship and you'd be comparing themselves and you'd say oh he's gone ahead of me now um or i did better than him do you know not one person you might have a group of people do you know and that that's usually how you sort of measure how you're how you're doing according to legend Thomas Sullivan invented what product when he sent samples to customers that they didn't know they were supposed to open? I'll tell you the answer shortly. I was 42 years of age. The first big quiz I would have done was the World Championship um, 2012. And it was purely on spec. My other half heard something on the radio and said, that's only down the road, Mark. Will you try that? And she'd know that I'd always have been interested in quizzes that I'd always have watched Millionaire and I'd been fairly, you know, I'd be shouting out the answers no more than anyone else. And um, I would have been interested in the chase. I'd always have bought quiz books, you know, for my own personal reading. And I'd always have been interested in sport and science and history, geography, that sort of thing I'd read a lot. Um, But that 2012 quiz was was the first one that I would have done the World Championship, which is, you know, the toughest quiz of the whole year. Um, so no expectations. So I came 750th, I think, in the world, you know, which is, you know, way down near, near, near this, about 50% of all the people that would have done it. Do you know, loads would have beaten me, do you know, in that loan that time. This is Eva Barrett, one of the rising stars on the Irish quiz scene. So I'm from Limerick. Um, I come from a family with um, just one brother. Um, I wouldn't say that I come from a necessarily highly educated kind of background. Um, I was, yeah, I was the first to go to university uh, and I got my PhD um, in Limerick. So I, I suppose you don't really need to come from a kind of a, a high achieving family in order to be anyway good with quizzing. So my first Hot 100, I think, was April 7, 2017. 
it was a group in in Ennis that I discovered. So John Hayes and Dermot Downs. So when I say group, it was, it's still only two people, but the three of us um, meet every month in the, the Temple Gate Hotel in Ennis to do that 100s. But it was it was kind of them that took me under their wing. Um, I knew nothing about quizzes before that. And like John has been a real mentor to me like all, all along. Um, he's he started sending me sets of questions to study from the beginning um, and that that really helped me to improve especially at the start because my my scores were so shockingly bad I could have easily just said okay no this isn't for me I'm clearly not good at it you know I think having a mentor like that to to encourage you and to make sure that you know to recognize maybe small improvements that you've made um, has been really important for me anyway. I think I wrote my first pop quiz almost 30 years ago, uh, but I've been doing it professionally uh, basically since I graduated, which is, what, 27 years. This is Dave McBride, mastermind champion and winner of 15 to 1. He hosts a weekly pop quiz. With some friends I was and you know, when I was a student were doing one for a student society they were involved in and I just helped them out write a few questions it was a success so and that ended up becoming a weekly thing so uh, th- this was all for a, a charity that wasn't getting any money for this it became a success and it ran weekly while I was for the last two three years I was at university uh, so then by the time I graduated I realized I'd written thousands of questions uh, I thought I might as well start making some money out of them so I started doing just pub quizzes. Most people's first experience of competitive quizzing is the pub quiz. Karen Crofton has represented Ireland at the Celtic Nations and captained one of the most successful pub quiz teams in Dublin. I think I have what's called a sticky memory so studying would be a bit of a stretch. I'd remember things that I have an interest in if I don't have an interest in they don't stick. So I actually repeated my leaving cert. Studying, I did a bit. I was never particularly academic or studious. Several quizzes a week and, and you've got some punters who've been coming to more than one of my quizzes a week for some for a number of years. So yeah, you're constantly having to come up with uh, with new stuff for them. But you, but you end up when you're a writer, you, you're just you're constantly on the lookout for anything that could be turned into a question. It's funny, one of those things, you say you represent Ireland quizzing. I turned up one day and I signed my name and I played on the Irish team. <laughs> that was it, you know. But I think it's one of those things that can sound really intimidating. When you hear about the Irish quiz team, you go, wow, oh my God, they must be amazing. They must be so clever. They must be this, they must be that. And when you turn up, it's a, it's a few people sitting in the pub answering questions and having a laugh sometimes and it's not as intimidating as it sounds. I think everyone when they first turn up to these things finds the the the, the top people's God, how can they know that much? It's really it's just uh unbelievable. Uh but even when you're near the top, the very top guys I I, I find are, are still I'm just in awe of their uh abilities and dedication. Earlier I asked the question According to legend, Thomas Sullivan invented what product when he sent samples to customers that they didn't know they were supposed to open? The answer is tea bags. Here's another question to think about. According to the British Film Institute, what is the most common word used in UK movie titles? Well, this is my main hobby. You know, I don't I don't play golf. I don't go to football matches. You know, other people would. And that takes a chunk of your time. Um, I go to the pub usually 
to go to a quiz uh, you know so it's it's a it's a hobby and a social outlet so also my kids are not particularly young my oldest is 22 and my youngest is just about to go into secondary school so they don't need intensive minding anymore so they're kind of independent in that way so so that's really why i've been able to to do quizzing i only got into it um about 10 years ago when my my oldest was actually about to go into secondary school as it happens because only then did i have a bit more free time because when kids are young take a lot of effort and not just day to day but being dad taxi and having to drop them places so there's still a certain amount of that but not as much so it's you know it's manageable and thankfully from a job perspective yeah i have a steady job but i have a um, um, little bit of flexibility in the hours so that's that's handy and i work from home which is super handy because i don't have to spend two hours a day or whatever commuting so that all helps if you want to get more serious there are in-person leagues and online leagues and if you want to get really serious there is the world championships which involve answering 240 questions in two hours but more on that later i'd happily sit down with maybe a set of 500 questions in an afternoon and try to get through to as much of them as possible so many people out there now writing quiz question sets um people have kind of made a business out of it for themselves and um, they'd compile the most interesting or most important and bits of information from the news for you so they're trying to make life easier um for quizzers so yeah there's the quite a kind of expanding business myself and eva and um john hayes we have a little group and we we'd be chatting the whole time and we'd be sending one another questions and whatever I get, I, I tend to pass on to them and vice versa. I was recently trying to, to I came across a new Japanese term, so Sujigahana, and that's a Japanese uh, term for fabric dyeing. Uh, so a fabric dyeing technique. And so like it's it's a long Japanese word. So how, how do you go about trying to remember that? So... I broke it down into three parts. So the first part is Su, T, T, S, U. The second part, Jiga. And then the third part, Hana. So for that, I tried to remember the word by visualizing a girl called Hana doing a jig and getting sued for it. So Su, Jiga, Hana. That might sound kind of stupid, but often like kind of the, the more stupid or random ways you have for remembering something, the better. People do put in an awful lot of effort. Mark in, partic- in particular has, has, has led the way for that in, in Ireland and Patrick and Eva are doing a great job of following it. Personally, I'm a, I'm a lazy bagger. I do next to no dedicated learning for quiz, but because it's my living, because I write questions all the time, I'm just picking up stuff by osmosis anyway. I had done a couple of quizzes in my childhood and I, as a kid I was very keen on atlases. I used to just read them, I loved them. In my adult years, it really was when I moved from London to Wigan for work reasons, I got involved with people who did um, league quizzing, where you have a team attached to a pub and they meet and have contests. And from that, which is probably about 20 years ago, it grew steadily until, I would think, 15 years ago. I was quite keen and I was reading the papers and taking notes and swapping questions and doing all the things one would do. So I imagine for about 15 years I've been very keen and reasonably organised, but I could certainly do a lot better. One of the things you need to know for quizzing is nearly just there in the world by living in the world. Um, you know, when I, when I started quizzing, I was 
when I did my first Hot 100 in 2017, I think I only scored something like 15 points. And it took me like a year of consistently kind of studying to, to get consistently into the 20s or 30s. And so I'd say I came from a fairly kind of basic level. It's, it was probably a worse score than like the average person starting off in quizzing because you would have certain knowledge from just living in the world from your interests or professional life you know many people who come along would would kind of just be able to score 30 or 40 and uh, off the mark um but I was never really kind of that strong to begin with and um, so I've had to do a lot of work in just kind of getting myself up to to speed on things at the beginning I was missing loads and loads of easy questions I'd get the odd hard one and people would say, how do you know that? Yeah. And then you'd miss a, a totally simple question and they'd say, how did you miss that? I guess part of it is just playing more more quizzes of different types uh, and just, I suppose, learning from your mistakes or the gaps that you have in your knowledge and trying to build up on that and those bit by bit. It's 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 a sort of a it can be a slow enough process, but there are, I suppose, some areas you can make a quicker gains on than others. I, some some things like history or art or geography that don't change as much maybe as pop culture or sport where there's different winners every year there are sort of fundamental building blocks like different capitals and uh, stuff like that that's fairly fixed but gets asked a lot didn't get the the river that flows through uh, Guayaquil in Ecuador because I was in Ecuador on my honeymoon and I've even learned that the name of that river it's just called the Gaius River um, in Ecuador. And yeah, that, that was an annoying one. I couldn't couldn't pull it out. But those sorts of things will be very important for the world category, like your, your capitals, your mountains, your major cities, your rivers, your lakes. And I heard an interview with Ronnie Swiggers there recently, and he really enjoys the, the, the work that he calls it the training. And I really enjoy it you know, going through the questions and going through my notes and doing the different things to to catch up. Or I'd have different questions on the day for catching up or I'd do different topics, you know, that I want to work on. You know, I'm working now for um my, I, I tend to concentrate on maybe two or three big quizzes in the year. Um, So my next big one would be the, um, the European Championship, it's in Tarmelinas and Costa del Sol. I'd go to that every year. Um, so that's the European Championship. That's in November. The big quizzes I'd have in the year, I would take maybe two weeks off work beforehand. Do you know, I would study for those like I would. Someone would for the Leaving Cert. Like the World Championship is on around the Leaving Cert time. And I used to go into the library and then I'd be, the Leaving Star students would be in there and I'd be saying, geez, would they ever do a bit of work? Do you know, I'd, I'd go hell for leather. I could do 14, 15 hours a day, do you know, if I'm coming up to a big quiz. Going back to like the World Championship, even to 2016, I might have been up to maybe 200th in the world at that stage, maybe um, in the World Championship. Um, then I pr- every year I try to cut it in half I try and aim and go, maybe I'll try and get to 100. Then I try and get to 50th. Then I try and get to 25 and down. But the best I've done in the world is is 13th. 
you know, and won the Europeans to a couple of years ago. So that was my, I've sort of taken, that sort of taken a bit of the pressure off me. You know, I've sort of stepped back a little bit, I suppose. I finished for the last two years now within one point of Anne Hegarty, who's the British chaser, and Dorjana Sarola, who's the Croatian chaser. So there's only been one point separating the three of us, both in 2022 and 2023. Um, so I'm I'm really gunning now with kind of pushing past them. This is Documentary on News Talk, and this is Know It All. Earlier I asked, according to the British Film Institute, what is the most common word used in UK movie titles? The answer is man. One way of remembering facts is by using mnemonics. These are techniques, usually phrases or rhymes, that help you retain and retrieve info. For instance, silly sardines crisscross Crete. This is the five largest islands in the Mediterranean, in size order Sicily, Sardinia, Cyprus, Corsica, Crete. Or this rhymes nicely. For the first three B vitamins, thiamine, riboflavin, niacin. And the best thing about mnemonics is that you can make up your own for whatever it is you need to remember. That could be the rivers of Munster for a school exam, the digits of your pin code or things you need in the shops. Dave McBride. I would say I found 15 to 1 very uh, nerve-wracking, yes. Uh, mastermind less so because, well, hey, it's I mean, it's not as tough to be to be frank. So I had the luxury on Mastermind for most of my rounds. I was sitting in seat four. My opponents didn't set a very high target. I've watched enough Mastermind over the years to know that I'm going to get a double figure score in general knowledge. It's if somebody sent me a target of eight, then I can relax. Fifteen to one was very stressful, partly because then I was a lot newer on the scene. I had only done one or two. I'd done the first Celtic Nations and first Euro- my first European Championships a few months before that. There, I knew I was facing a number of people who were stronger than me. And at the time, I yeah, I was an unknown. Uh, and with the 15 to 1 format, it only takes three things you don't know when you're, de- you're out. Uh, and looking back on it, the lineup of that 15 to 1 final was crazy. You, you had um, Mark Grant, multiple Celtic Nations champion, David Stainer is Brain of Britain, for both of them are Brain of Britain, as was Ewan Thomas. Uh, then you've got Gary Grant, former mastermind. Steve Cook is now an egghead. D- David Good, who's a previous winner of both University Challenge and Old 15 to 1. And the other strong players like Rachel Nyman, Martin Pampel, and so on. Nick Summerfield, uh, Nick Mortimer. Really strong lineup. Uh, so I knew, I'd say. Uh, if that lineup was assembled today, I would probably be maybe fourth favourite. At the time it happened in 2014, I was probably ninth or tenth favourite. That was very nervous, definitely. I think it wasn't as competitive in those days. Do you know, it was easier to improve. It was easier to come in and get good quite quickly compared to nowadays. Do you know, I think the standard has gone up so much. Do you know, someone coming in now it would take them a lot longer. Now, there is a lot of very good young quizzers. And then there's a lot of professionals, you know, that you're competing against as well. But yeah, I think in those days, you know, I just got the bug and I'm addictive about different things. If I'm, if it's exercise, I go hell for leather on that. Then I go quizzing. Then I used to play golf, you know, and I used to go hell for leather, you know, playing seven days a week. 
you know, and then I'd give that up and do something else. So quizzing is my thing at the minute. Last year, we were planning a three-week holiday to Southeast Asia. So I kind of designed that based on places that I had learned about in quizzing. So we visited you know, a few UNESCO World Heritage Sites that I had learned about. I never really would have been interested in like art museums, say, before quizzing. But now if I'm in a city, I go to the art museum and I'm kind of walking around in awe saying, oh, my God, I recognise that painting or I've learned about that that particular artist or painting. Dan and Patrick and Dave would do a lot of buzzer quizzes, you know, yeah, it's not one of my forties, and that would stop me going on on TV. Do you know, I do you know, I like the written down, and I don't feel under pressure, and I can read it. And when you can see the words in front of you, I know some countries are good at you know being more collaborative. Um, we're not very collaborative as a country. I know um, Belgium. What they did before the World Championship. 20 of them put in 20 questions each into um, a sort of a pool of questions that they thought might come up. So, you know, we are not doing anything like that. But I know other countries, they might say, you concentrate on this topic, we're weak on that. I'll study that for, for the next day. We'll get together. You know, we don't do that. You know, we come as individuals. But Maybe that's sort of more credit to us that we've done well, you know, in spite of that. Um, The Belgians are very keen on team quizzing and they have carried the specialism on several of their teams to an extreme extent. So that when the sport question starts, three of them pretty much fold their arms and nearly go to sleep. They have no intention of answering it. And when next Egyptology question comes, a different guy wakes up and he takes care of that. That's their style. I played at the Europeans this year. The team was Patrick, Eva, myself and Mark. Eva came up with so many great answers for the really strong contributor to the team. I think my place in it is now under threat through the rise of, uh, well, Patrick's already gone past me, but you've got the likes of Eva and Brian and um, Brian Craithorne and Tim Hall uh, all coming up. And Mark Henry's always standard on the team. And Lorcan's always top two. Do you put the four best quizzers or do you do... Sir, two that are really good at two topics or someone really good at sports, someone good at science. Do you know, it's an art, I suppose. So the current rankings tables probably has about 100 names on it. So it's people who have played one of the monthly written quizzes in the last year. Two monthly quizzes, one called Hot 100, one called Squizzed. They are both written quizzes, exam style quizzes that you sit yourself. You get 45 minutes to answer 100 questions on a piece of paper. So it's not a team activity. So not everyone would be into that. And the question standard is is tough as well. So it's not for everyone. You know, you'd never expect that to be truly mass market. But even so, happy to have 100 odd people who, who do that on a regular basis. Most people even in my town wouldn't even know that I quiz. People that I work with would barely, if I did a world championship, you know, one or two might ask me, how did you get on or... You know, if I'd go to a European championship, you could you could win it and it wouldn't make any difference to your life. Another question to think about. What's the only letter that's never silent in English words? It's a nice thing, I think, being a woman in quizzing because you kind of feel you're like you're representing, you know, you're. I wouldn't ever want to be put on a team just because I'm a woman and they have to have a girl. I wouldn't I wouldn't like that type of thing. At the same time, we have a really good community with the women in quizzing and we do support each other. We do 
talk to each other about things. You know, we have our own little group and that kind of thing. The first one that I went to, I think there were two other women in the room at the time. Now, I grew up with two brothers and no sisters, so I was always around a lot. So it didn't phase me, perhaps in the same way it would phase another woman walking into a room of 30 lads and only two other women. But I can understand why it would. I used to find it frustrating when I started quizzing that there was no kind of division of results between men and women. Um, because, you know, when you're one of the top scoring female quizzers in a quiz, but yet you're only maybe 20th on the list, it's kind of discouraging. And I used to feel like if there was a women's category, it would be more encouraging Um but that doesn't seem to be something that's happening. I make a beeline usually to at least like maybe there's more women that I haven't met before in the room. I wouldn't get around to them all, but I make a beeline to at least one of the women I haven't met before. If there's a couple that turned up, to introduce myself and be friendly and hopefully give a friendly face and and chat to them about being a woman in quizzing and what it's like if they're if questions or if they feel a bit overwhelmed. Like some of the, the women in quizzing are phenomenal. Ailsa Watson is an amazing quizzer. Anne Hegarty's amazing. Julia Hobbs is a really good quizzer. And it's it's nice to see. But I think we should be afforded the same opportunities. And I think Eva has more than done that by proving herself time and time again. She's an amazing quizzer and she's doing really, really well. You're coming to a big competition. You want to be at a stage where you kind of have everything revised it, it gets quite intense maybe in the two to three weeks before something like the World Quiz Championship. It involves kind of dedicating all of your 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 waking time to it, apart from when you have to, to go to work. You know, you could be doing 12, 14 hour days studying in the, in the lead up and then you have to make sure to be well rested at the same time. You know, I admire the best quizzers in the world who can do that and sustain that. And there's people who would get through, you know, I don't know, 40,000 questions maybe in, in the two weeks before a World Quiz Championship. June 2023, the World Quizzing Championships. Thousands of people will take part at venues around the world. In Ireland, about 30 people have gathered in Dublin. It is a written quiz. 240 questions in eight sections. One hour for the first four, then a break for lunch, then one hour for the rest. Here's a typical question. Who is this? His maternal grandfather was a head of Ealing Studios from 1938 to 1945 and the annual award for outstanding British contribution to cinema is given in his name. His mother-in-law was the Austrian-born Inga Morath one of the first women photographers to join the Magnum Photo Agency and the third wife of playwright Arthur Miller. His wife is their daughter, Rebecca Miller. His father was Poet Laureate until 1972. Remember, you have an average of 30 seconds to read the question, come up with the answer and write it down. The answer in this case being Daniel Day-Lewis. Last year's winner was Didier Breer from France, with 183. Pat Gibson placed ninth in the world with 167. Patrick Carthy came 26th in the world with a score of 145. 
what they're asking for is usually in bold, uh, but then there's probably key keywords on different topics that you'll, you'll spot and put down. The ones that you're definitely sure of on the first pass, and then you might, if you're between two or three options, you'll probably put those down in the margin and come back to it on the second run just to make sure that you haven't missed anything. Uh, it's generally just trying to get through the first pass and all the subjects once, uh, getting the ones you're definitely sure of uh, on that one, and then working on trying to dig out the answers that are in the head somewhere for the on the second or third pass and then just at the end making sure you've actually answered the question that's asked because you only get such a short time on each question you can't really spend too long sitting there trying to think of the answer so sometimes i just mark the question and just go on to the next one and you might even be in a different category and the, the answer just kind of randomly pops into your head and it's great when that happens. So sometimes the more you you think about it or the more you wreck your head trying to think of the answer, it's kind of counterproductive. Um, sometimes when you just kind of distract your mind, the answer just kind of comes more naturally. I know no quizzers who actually write down the alphabet on their, their quiz sheet and go through each letter. I, I, I've kind of, I've tried that and I don't really find that it helps hugely. Well, the first thing I do is I, I if I don't know it straight away, I leave it. I find that say in a world championship especially but in any quiz say there's no real time limit if you're doing a hot 100 you'll do it in 20 minutes and you'll you'll you know you'll go through whatever say 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 for i know 60 and i 40 to do you know the more you know the less you have to go over at the end i find if i try and remember it straight away it just wastes time and then I find to come back to it, it's much better. And I might just get it straight away. Or I tend to skim read at the start and I'll go through a skim read everything. And then, you know, when I come back to a question, I might get a bit of information in the question that would, you know, it would lead me to the answer. Then I would just go through the alphabet. Yeah, I would go A, B, C, D, E. I know that begins with C. And then I start going C A B C E C I C O R. Do you know I tend to I read and I walk, and sometimes I remember where I learned something. I could be walking around. Uh, do you know? I could be walking around the house, and I could remember where I where I where I read that, and it would sort of click it with me. Better to have a smaller group of facts that you can recall quickly, because the reality is, depending on what kind of quiz you're at there's only a finite amount of information that you're going to be asked. Granted, if you're asked, say, the World Championship quiz, the pool is much, much wider of what you could be asked. I hope you're up on your Bulgarian squash players. But if, if you're at your regular pub quiz, let's say something casual of a weekday night, you know, if you know your world capitals, if you know, you know, who's who in Coronation Street, if you know who won and lost in the last FA Cup final, that sort of thing, then, you know, you, you have a better bet. And so having that, I suppose, selective recall for the kind of trivia that comes up again and again, that's recall, I think, is the most important thing. Certain things you can do, educated guesses. So you're asked for what country is person X come from and you see their surname has an SZ in it and you realise, okay, that's he, he or she is probably Hungarian because that's that's how names work in Hungary. There are things you should know at a certain level. If you take quizzing seriously, I still have to go over the flags. I still have to go over the currencies. I heard Pat Gibson talking about flags and currencies there recently. You know, before the World Championship, he does 
goes over the basics. Yeah, you still have to keep going over those those core elements. But that's where, you know, in a 30 um, question set, you will get 10 or 15 that are not too bad. And it's those type of questions that keep repeating. Or I tend to learn dates. Say if I was saying Ibsen's plays, I'd learn those by dates. They're not easy to learn, but, you know, it's a huge advantage because they'd say an 1882 play. And if you know it's Ibsen, you know what play it is straight away from that. I remember last year they asked something like the name of a plateau in Angola. It was like the B plateau, B-I-E. And I only got that because I I kind of started this thing last year where I started the first at, at A and go down through the alphabet to through the different countries and write like a geographical profile in each country so because it was only Angola I think I got to like the seas and then I gave up because it was just so time consuming but because I I had covered Angola I had covered the name of that plateau and B-I-E isn't too hard a word to remember but like that's the extent of stuff you need to do well in the in the world category I must get through the rest of the alphabet this year, but I said that last year then. There's thousands of things that could come up you're never going to capture, but there's, you can do is you can try and pick off areas at a time and get better at them. It's probably about using the time more efficiently rather than anything else, but it's hard to, you, you sort of learn from things over time what, what's the best, what gives the best gains over. Uh, other methods. I don't like a quiz too early in the day. I find that later in the day I'm better. I find if I don't overdo it with the work the few days before a quiz, I'm better. You have to make sure you're actually reading the question effectively and you're able to kind of pull out the important parts of the question kind of in a short space of time. So that's that's kind of a skill in itself, even outside actually learning the information. I think lateral thinking is hugely helpful in quiz as well and it's it's something that I struggle with but I know other people are are really good at kind of able to figure out the answer to a question without necessarily having learned learned it in too much detail but just kind of their mind is able to to figure it out and quiz programs like only connect is kind of is good for kind of practicing that sort of stuff. When I was in the Europeans, um, the year I won it, it came down to a tie break between myself and Ronnie. It came down to three questions, and then it came down to what um company run Hello Kitty. Now I thought Ronnie would know that, but none of us know everything. We all have weak spots, and we all have areas to work on. Yeah, so I won't forget. I won't forget San Rio too quickly if you look at the irish rankings now there's i don't know there must be close on 100 names there um whereas before the pandemic i don't know it was probably half that um so people are starting to take part in the monthly quizzes a bit more now um there's always room for more quizzes and you know stronger teams um so we we the irish quiz organization would take part in things like the celtic nations every year which is a quiz event um, tournament between Ireland, uh, Scotland and Wales. Um, Ireland actually won last year in 2022, but this year Scotland beat us. I think kind of going forward, we're trying to figure out how we can contend with Scotland because they're such a, they have such a strong quizzing community there and a lot of very high level quizzers. 
Um, and one of those one of those ways to to improve is to get more Irish quizzers on board and have stronger teams and more people participating. So it would be great to to see more people. We're definitely have come from nowhere to I'd say one of the top six best teams in the world. Like we've got in the European, the the big team competition is the Europeans. Usually it's been England out in front, Belgium out in front. Those two would be way out in front. Then it's been Norway, Estonia. But we've got two semifinals. um, And last year, like we've come in the top six in the team competition and the Europeans in, you know, in the last five, five times it's been run and we've had a team. You know, it's clearly a good thing in terms of learning, in terms of striving for greater knowledge. So, you know, should be rewarded in the same or in a similar way that, say, academic excellence is awarded. So it would be nice to see when we have certain events, like, say, the credit union quiz that goes on within secondary schools. It would be nice to see more of that and more kids getting a chance to, uh, you know, to, to use their knowledge that way. Because, you know, a lot of, a lot of people... Uh, a lot of students might feel that you're learning all the stuff for leaving search and what is it for you know where does it go whereas quizzes help keep that alive you know you may have forgotten years ago what's a uh, what's a triangle that has two sides the same and you know a lot of people have learned that and forgotten it but it comes up quite regularly in quizzes so it's good to know that's an isosceles triangle um so like i said it helps keep knowledge alive and that can only be a good thing or maybe it's a refuge for people that weren't good at sport Things like that, do you know, that I know I wasn't, I was never going to be a footballer or rugby, I, rugby was the sport in my school and I was never going to be a rugby player. But we were always sort of encouraged, you know, I remember we did a couple of quizzes in school and, you know, we'd be encouraged to put up our hand and shout out the answers. And we were never sort of knocked back in our school for that. When I was in UCC in Cork, um, I'm from Cork, um, if I was starting all over again, I'd be first up to the quizzing society, you know, and I'd be, I'd, I'd have, I, I, I would always say maybe I've lost 20 years of good quizzing years. So, I, you know, I'm 53 now. I, I said, how many, how many good quizzing years have I got left, you know, but it'll keep my brain good, you know, I hope. There's no age limit on quizzing. And it's definitely, as well as that, for people who are neurodiverse, whatever, it's one of those things, there's there's a huge deal of acceptance, I think, in the quiz community in general. It's a community where people feel very comfortable, I hope, anyway. And for older people, I think it's a really healthy thing to get into. Earlier I asked, what's the only letter that's never silent in English words? The answer? V. Time is up, pens are put down, around the world, answers are checked. Number one in the world is Ronnie Swiggers from Belgium. Patrick Carty is 31st in the world and number one in Ireland. Dave McBride, third in Ireland. Eva Barrett, just outside the world top 100 and fourth in Ireland. The following day, Patrick will win the final of the TV show, Ireland's Smartest. Maybe one or two questions that I could have probably dug out with another five, ten minutes, but yeah, I think I probably got two or three that I... I was, wasn't sure about and missed two or three the other way, so. The peasants in the, uh, Russia, I guess the 1900s, 1910s, that had a certain acreage of land, I've, I've definitely heard of or come across it, I just didn't 
didn't remember it in the time. Uh, there's one or two then just going the wrong way on a, a change in dark time to mouse, I think, at the end. But ah, that, that happens. You'll, you'll pick up as many as you'll miss that way. Very tough paper, as usual. Um, so in the first half, we had softer subjects like entertainment and media, which usually are my weaker subjects. Um, so I improved a little in those this year. Um, paper two consisted of science, sport, lifestyle. Um, so you really have to be kind of at the top of your game and across a range of subjects um, to be to be uh, to be good. So yeah, I'm I'm happy enough. Uh, could have done better. A few questions I should I didn't get that I should have got. A few stupid mistakes, things like that. Um, but happy with a few good answers as well. There was one question where I had the answer in my head and I just didn't write it down in the paper and left it blank. <laughs> a pharmaceutical company um, called Monsanto. Um, and I thought that might be Monsanto and then I moved on to the next question without writing it down. One question I spent the most time on, it was asking a question about which song co-written by David Bowie and Iggy Pop has a line about hypnotising chicken and I could hear it in my head that's just like hypnotising chicken that's like what song is that and of course I assumed it was a David Bowie song so I literally had a piece of paper with all the David Bowie songs from the 70s that I could think of and I was like ruling them out and then I came back to it near the end of the quiz and I was like hang on a minute it doesn't have to be a Bowie song it could be an Iggy Pop song and then I got it within 10 seconds of course lust for life um, I'd like to have more information in my head I feel like compared to the best quizzers in the world I know absolutely nothing and the more exposure you get to quiz the more you realise how much you don't know um, so it becomes scarier and scarier but um, I think of it like a ladder and you just have to kind of whatever rung of the ladder you're on you have to do a certain amount of work to, to get up to the next rung um, so it's just focusing on improving a little bit at a time. There's a lot of competition coming from, from the US, Victoria Gross's top female quizzer. Do you know what I would say? Eva is up there, do you know, second, third or fourth best female quizzer in the world or will be. I'd like to say that eventually I'll be number one quizzer in the world um, or be the first female world quiz champion. But I can't see that happening in the next... 20 years maybe if I'm still working as hard as I am now in 20 or 30 years time um I might reach that and um, there's a very strong um American female quizzer called Victoria Gross who came second in the world this year so I think she's much more likely to be first female world quiz champion compared to me but yeah we'll we'll see the people in this documentary have reached the top of Irish quizzing at a time when few in the country even know there is such a thing. Just think what we'll achieve if the words know-it-all stop being a put-down and become an ambition. You've got the internet and libraries, newspapers, radios, televisions. We're surrounded by material, which is a, so it's a, a glorious time to be a quizzer. Know-it-all was narrated by Rebecca Ryan, written and produced by Michael Collin. Funded by Commission Man with a television licence fee. For more documentaries, visit Newstalk.com.